HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Wisconsin cheesemakers produce over 600 varieties, types, and styles of cheese. That's twice as much as any other state. Learn more about Wisconsin's cheesemaking history at wisconsincheese.com. This week on Meet and 3, it's our season four finale, and we're sharing some of our greatest kitchen joys. Maybe most people consider making it too much work or too messy, but this is the food that's worth the work and worth the wait. You always know where the thing is because you put it away the right way the first time. You just sort of stand there and, you know, with your hand on your hip and one leg outstretched, glass of wine in your hand, staring into the refrigerator going, okay, speak to me. Oh yeah, what are you doing with the celery tonight? I'm making a simple syrup for a gin cocktail with the celery. And I also found a recipe for a celery soup that's going to use up the celery and the potatoes and some of that dill that we still have hanging out in there. (laughs) Tune in and be inspired to find the joy in your kitchen. And don't forget to subscribe to Meet in 3 wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, hello. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and we're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, September 11th, 2019. This is the 226th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is an outstanding chef, entrepreneur, and TV personality, and I will introduce him fully in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will, in, I will start out with my PR tip, and then later we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to savor experiences. Yes, relish every moment, every bite, and every sip, knowing that life is a gift, and what's here today may very well be gone tomorrow. Don't waste time fretting about little things and unforeseen circumstances, but instead focus on the positive and the now. Surround yourself with good people and karma and savor it all, as life is simply too short not to. That's my tip today. Now I'm really thrilled to have my guest calling in to the studio. It is Scott Conant. He is one of the country's top chefs, restaurateurs, and TV personalities who is known for creating food that is unexpected and soulful. A graduate of the Culinary Institute of America, Scott's career career spans over 30 years, including multiple restaurants, an enthusiastic fan following, and an ever-expanding brand. He opened Lampero in 2002, garnering a three-star review from the New York Times, the title of Best New Restaurant from the James Beard Foundation, and he was named one of America's Best New Chefs in 2004, among many other accolades. His current restaurants include Mora Italian in Phoenix, Arizona, and Italian Steakhouse Saleo at Resorts World in in Catskills. Scott has appeared on multiple TV shows and most known, I guess, for being a judge on 
Food Network's highly rated Chopped. He's also a judge on Chopped Junior. He's the host of Food Network's Best Baker in America and Top Golf Chef Showdown. And he's also published three cookbooks. I'm so excited to talk to him because I don't know how he does all of this. So welcome to the show. <laughs> I don't know how I do it sometimes either. And Just show up. Well, you obviously show up, and and this is the very condensed bio. I'm I'm missing a lot of career moments and accolades, but um, congratulations to you. It's it's pretty impressive. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Oh, you're thank welcome. You. So, thank you for for joining me. I've known you for a, while, a long time, and but I don't really know how you got started. Like, when did you know you wanted to be a chef? Can you take you us know, back? I, it's funny. Yeah. I, you know, I went to, I grew up in Waterbury, Connecticut and I went to a vocational school for high school. And if you're not familiar with vocational schools, you, you choose a trade at, at, you know, 14, 15 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had chosen, uh, obviously to, to be a plumber. So <laughs> <laughs> I, obviously, I, I couldn't, obviously mm-hmm. that was the choice. I, um, I couldn't get into the program because it was a lot of like-minded people. Uh, everyone had, had chosen that trade. And as a second choice, I chose uh, culinary arts. And simultaneously, I started working at a family friend's restaurant as a dishwasher. And I will never forget the moment that I walked into uh, that kitchen for the first time. Uh, the energy and the camaraderie and the sense of teamwork and the, just the pace of it all. I was immediately uh, addicted to it. So it was kind of serendipitous that I didn't get into the plumbing program and I became a cook and I started cooking. And, and uh, you know, the good news is, is that the, 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 the trade, you know, the culinary world has evolved so much since 1985. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm still, I'm still in there. You still are. Going. And you went yeah. to the CIA, which uh, every time I see that in a resume, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. Uh, yeah. I mean, why, why did you, did, were you looking at other schools or was that like, this is where I want to go? Well, I was going to go, I was going to go to, um, actually to uh, Johnson & Wales because the chef I had worked at, with at the, at the, and the first job went to Johnson & Wales. Then I went to a second job and there were a lot of CIA grads. And I was just absolutely taken taken by their professionalism and, you know, the, the crisp coat and the white, the big white hat that I always found funny, funny looking. And I just I, I just said, I think CIA is the place for me. And as I visited it um, and I went to the restaurants, I, I you know, it, it, there's something to be said about having a campus like CIA mm-hmm. where the first and foremost thought is food and technique and professionalism. And it really it really it, it, it was a great place for me. I loved it. Yeah, so what did you do after you graduated? Did you did you come to New York City and just start working in kitchens? Yeah, well, first I, I did my internship, my externship from CIA at San Domenico in ah, New York City. Nice. And then, which was, you know, at the time in 1990, 89, 1990, it was a, you know, it was one of these spots in the country. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I, I, I worked there. I was there for you know, five months or so, and I and I then I went to New Orleans. Uh, I took an extended leave from my externship, and I went down to New Orleans, and I helped some friends open up some restaurants there. Um, and then I went back to school. And then when I graduated school, then I I went to Europe. I got a job at uh, in Germany, and I figured it'd be easier to to work in Italy from Germany than from New York. Um, didn't didn't work out that way. That was, <laughs> it was a great idea. It didn't work out. Uh, I went back to New York City. I worked at San Domenico for another four years after that. Oh, wow. And I didn't know about the New Orleans part. I love New Orleans. That's uh, a great town. Uh, and I the food scene. Life. Yeah. The food scene. I have lifelong friends from the time that I'd spent there. I mean, it was, it was turned out to be a great choice. Yeah. yeah so, but what is it about Italian cuisine? Because was it San Domenico that, that, I mean, I don't know. Did you always have a love for Italian? Uh, is that the cooking you've, I mean, have you ever wanted to venture off from Italian? Yeah. Well, you know, my grandparents are Italian. So my, my family is Italian and my father, uh, my father's, it's funny because my, my mother's family, my mother's first generation Italian American. Um, but my father's family came to this country in 1620 and actually founded 
Salem, Massachusetts. Um, so if you ever go to Salem, there's a huge statue of a guy named Roger Conant, and he was the first governor of Massachusetts that at the time had reported to the king of oh, England. Wow. Um, <laughs> clearly, clearly it's been downhill ever since. <laughs> <laughs> no, but who knew? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if you ever go to Salem, there's a huge okay. statue of Roger Conant, and that's my great, 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 well, you know, whatever, grandfather. Um, so I always wanted to do fancy French. You know, I grew up in Waterbury, Connecticut. There weren't fancy French restaurants there, and I wanted to do fancy food. But when I went to San Domenico, I will never forget the moment that I was looking at the plates and the and the food. And I mean, I don't know if you'd gone to San Domenico back then in the 90s, but it was a really fancy restaurant. And I that's what I wanted. I wanted to work in a fancy restaurant. And because I grew up in an Italian-American family, you know, not without means, by the way. You know, we—I'd never gone to Italy until I was uh, until I was 20 years old. Um, I had never experienced real Italian food. I'd only experienced Italian American food, and I had no desire to cook that at all. So when I when I experienced San Domenico, it really resonated with me, and I felt like this is what I have to do. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting too because you, I feel like you've had these moments where it's like as soon as you you're cooking, you're like, "This is it," and as soon as you were in an Italian kitchen, you're like, "This is it. This is what I want to do." Is it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So then, I mean, yeah. you went on to. I mean, I know you've worked in a lot of. You work with Cesare in in New, yes. in New York, and I know, and then you went on to open Lampero and Alto, and and you've uh, amazing yeah. accolades and and reviews. I, I mean, I don't know how you can sum up those experiences, but or or, or what <laughs> I mean, or between all of the different awards and and press that you got, like what was the most impactful or that that you think maybe changed your your career trajectory. You know, it's funny. It's funny because I, I, it's not. I never look at awards as, as a success, right? I mean, that's it's great to get an award. Don't get me wrong, but that that's not why I did what I did. I mean, I I genuinely loved working in kitchens. I, I mean, I loved, as I said, the camaraderie and the teamwork in creating new things and making customers happy. I was, you know, I worked in a few places where I I'd struggled. Um, I wouldn't. There was one place I worked at down on the Bowery. Uh, in 1999 and I, I didn't get paid for months, months went by. And I, and I recall my roommate at the time who's Sergio Esposito, who owns Italian wine merchants. We were roommates at the time and he would give me money for rent and we would, you know, I would take that money, I would deposit it in my account. I would withdraw it right away. And then I would walk around the kitchen and pay my staff, whatever they needed to get through the week because no one was getting paid. Things that cannot happen in the restaurant world, today, today yeah. were very commonplace, <laughs> like people not getting paid for weeks on end in restaurants. And then you're stuck because if you left, they would never pay you your money, you know? And, you know, the labor department wasn't necessarily an outlet. People didn't think about it. The lawsuits that happened today weren't, you know, weren't necessarily uh, de rigueur, so to speak, for, for, uh, for the restaurant world. So uh, unfortunately, you know, really unfortunately. Um, and I did it for the love of it. I, I mean, I, I always prided myself on being a chef's chef, staying in the kitchen, being there for every meal, staying late at night, drinking with the staff, having a good time, going home at four o'clock in the morning, waking up at nine and doing it all over again. <laughs> that was, you remember the business back then, <laughs> the way yeah. we could do it. That was a normal day. <laughs> I know, changes. I can't do that. I can't do that anymore, first of all. And second of all, I don't have, you know, it's not, I don't have the bandwidth. But, you know, I think that uh, you know, just getting, so it wasn't the accolades that I was pursuing. You know, three stars in New York Times is something that I wanted, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was the dedication to the craft, the face in the plate, so to speak, so to speak, you know, elevating the elevating food, you know, making pasta that no one had seen before. You know, that was that was my intention, Um, cooking things to make people happy, spending time in the front of house, shaking customers hands, running in the back and cooking a menu for them. Those were the things that I loved. I loved to do. Yeah, well, and you obviously have done it well and you got noticed. Um, And then you you were you also uh, grew the brand of Scarpetta and and you had Fusco in New York City. And I. I miss your I miss your cooking here. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I, uh, you know, the business is changing. It is, it is not what it meant, it, what it used to be. And I'm not talking about the fun stuff. I'm talking about the, you know, the, the cost of labor and the cost of occupancy and the cost of food and, and, you know, the hurdles you have to jump through. Uh, and then, you know, suddenly someone shows up to inspect your, I had, I had one night I was, I was invaded, almost literally invaded by people with flashlights and, um, and, uh, badges around their neck and you know it was the housing department it was the health department it was all kinds of different departments from the city treating us like we were a nightclub where's your where's your liquor licenses where's your liquor invoices where's i mean they literally shut the restaurant down um and i i and it gave us tremendous fines for no reason we were in the middle of service on a on a saturday night it was the day it was the the week that uh, i had a new york magazine review come out and, and Adam Platt had given us an amazing review, and it was just, it was mayhem. Customers were getting up and walking out because they were having flashlights uh, shined in their faces. You know, those are the type of things that there's, there's almost a disrespect towards the business, and that's what kind of, frankly, got me out of New York City. I just, I didn't want to deal with it anymore. Well, I, so... I, I think we'll take a break here, but I want to hear. I want to hear what it's like running running the restaurants outside of New York City because I'm wondering is it is it easier or do you have these these issues or is New York City just the hardest place to have restaurants? Uh, but we will we will touch on that after our break. So stay with us. This is Only Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Since the mid-1800s, before Wisconsin was even recognized as a state, its resident cheesemakers have been putting the art into artisan cheese. When early settlers from Switzerland, Germany, and Italy came to Wisconsin, they brought their cheesemaking expertise with them. They chose Wisconsin because the terroir reminded them of the homes they'd left behind in northern Europe. The soil and water of Wisconsin is nurtured by the goodness of glacial sediment, and those elements lend themselves to the very best milk. Today, Wisconsin's cheesemakers draw from their rich European heritage and cheesemaking traditions and combine them with incredible innovation to produce half of the nation's specialty cheese. Wisconsin cheesemakers never stop experimenting, trying to improve, and dreaming of your next favorite cheese that has yet to be imagined. Learn more about Wisconsin's cheesemaking history at wisconsincheese.com. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Scott Conant, chef, restaurateur, and TV personality. So, Scott, tell me, what what led you to to move to Phoenix, and what is it like running a a restaurant operation there compared to New York City? Well, it's... um what led me, it was, it was family, you know, spending more time with the wife and kids was really important to me. Um, the cost of living was a tremendous, um, it was a tremendous asset as well. Taxes. I mean, you go, there's a whole list. Right. Right. We need a longer show. (laughs) Yeah. You know, for the, for what I paid in New York city and I had a very nice apartment in New York, it was a really good size. I have more than double the size of that space for a third of the price. Uh, plus a pool and, you know, all that, all the stuff that views of the mountains. And I'm, right. it's, it's uh, I'll tell you right now, I'm sitting in my, sitting in my car. It's the only place that I can get good cell service, but I'm, it's, <laughs> uh, it's 99 degrees outside with no humidity at all. And it's, it's really a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day. So, you know, there's that, that's, that's always nice. And I get to New York a lot. I mean, I, we shoot in New York. I have, I have still at business businesses in New York. I have my team in New York uh, that's still based there. So th- there's that. And I think that that life is great. And the, the balance of life is great. And also, I really felt like I didn't have anything to prove anymore mm-hmm. uh, in, in the food world. And there's no reason why a lot of the, you know, it's great to do stuff in the alpha cities, you know, New York and Los Angeles and Miami. And, you know, I've never done anything in Chicago, but, I, you know, maybe someday. Um, but there's something to be said about these beta markets that, you know, Phoenix is still the fifth largest city in, in the country. Um, I'm still in the Catskills. I get there quite a bit. It's beautiful, particularly this time of year uh, up in the Catskills. I, you know, I, I don't have an axe to grind, you know, but I, I will 
I was very hesitant to do television uh, when I first started doing it. I got a phone call to do Chopped, and I was very hesitant because I felt like I was a chef, as I said, a chef's chef, and chefs didn't do TV, you know. Um, but I, after doing it and really kind of living that food culture, I it, it dawned on me that you can do this from anywhere. You can live the food culture anywhere. You can make a great living anywhere. Um, I, I also think that at a certain point in your life, you need to really look inside and figure out what is it that I want? Do I want to kill myself like this in New York City, working 90 hours a week and, and not knowing my, my wife and children? Or do I want to kind of take a step back and still work hard, but have a little bit more of a balance? And I, I, I'm happy to say that I'm, I don't mind being selfish in that situation. I I don't have to answer to anyone except except my family, you know. So there's something about that. Yeah, absolutely. I I I'm, I I do not know actually though how you manage your time because you do you've you are doing a lot of TV and you touched on okay so you were reluctant at the beginning to do Chop but now you're I mean you've been a regular on on as a judge on Chopped and you do Chopped Junior and then you have all these other series so so how yeah. how often are you are you shooting and uh, is it is I mean it seems like a bunch of these have been going on at this at the same time like it's not like yeah. one season of one and then you're on to the next well you know there's there's a lot of shooting and I and I would say I still travel probably eighty percent of the time. Um, but when I'm home, I'm home. Right. I'm doing it. I'm currently working on another restaurant in Scottsdale. And what I've decided to do is kind of step back from the operational aspects of restaurants, but still be part of the culinary operation. So identify a great chef. I have a culinary team that works for me. I have an operations team as well that helps me manage and oversee the management of the restaurants. Um, and I have a, you know, of course, I have a controller and all that kind of stuff that looks at the numbers and we, we all work together. Um, but I'll give it to you in one short snippet, right? I I did a show a couple, a few months ago. It took me two weeks. Uh, I was shooting in L.A. I made more money from doing that show in the two-week time frame than I will in two years in a restaurant. So you're you're you're. Yeah, I'm like, you're, pretty simple. you're a, a right. great advertisement for doing TV and also for getting out of New York City. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not, it's not just that. It's, it's also saying, you know, it's not just doing television. But yeah. it, as I said, the evolution of the business, I'm, I feel very fortunate that I've been involved in that evolution, right? I've done a few cookbooks. I have a product line. I have some wines. I have I have all these little things that, you know, in, in, it's like popcorn, right? In the beginning, it doesn't seem to be doing much, but then all of a sudden you get a little pop and then another pop. And then all of a sudden things start to pop like crazy. And that's what I, that's what I love. I love building those things. I, I think more than being a cook at this point, I've had entrepreneurial spirit really resonates with me. Yeah, I can. I mean, I can tell. And you're, gr- I mean, you're great on TV. I see why you, you know, you you oh, get these. Knock it off. No, you. <laughs> are you blushing? You. I am. <laughs> no, but you, seriously, you are. And and also, and yeah, I'm glad you touched on. You have the your whole a whole new line of of products, your Spretza, uh, which yeah. I was, you but, know, going through your yeah. site and being, oh, this is cool. I can order this stuff and. And there are recipes up there too. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun, and it's it's a it's a way to extend the brand, so to speak, the quote unquote brand. I I, I don't like speaking in buzzwords, but I, I I really feel like there's a lot of, you know the, you know the big guns in the business. You know, from Eric Eric Repair and and, and Jean Georges and Danielle and, and and all those guys. I look at them and Bobby and and Gordon. I mean, I I look at all of them, and I and I. It's a wonder. All of them have a tremendous ability to work very hard, right? But yet you see them in social media always smiling and always, you know, seem to enjoy the process. And I, and I feel like that process is really what I love, right? I, I, I don't think I'm ever going to be Danielle, right? I'm never going to be those guys. But in my own way, I can create something that's just very special and unique and my own. And that's the way I view it. 
Yeah, and I think you have, and I'm sure you have more plans to do other other great things. Uh, I and certainly you, do. Yeah, and you also go to a lot of events. I mean, I I think that's how I've gotten to know know you over the years because yeah. I see you at, at all the food and wine festivals. Yeah. So that's yeah. I, they're fun, and you know, being able to interact with with the people that watch the shows is is it's it's meant a lot to me. I mean, listen, early early on, we would all I feel like I would look at guys like Bobby and say, you know what, good for him. That's not for me. But you know, Bobby's the smartest guy in the room. You go to any of his restaurants, you're gonna have a great meal, right? That balance that he has of an amazing production company, a phenomenal television presence, and great restaurants. I mean, that's, that is, that's a person that I aspire to. I mean, I, I have such respect for what he does. And, and by the way, Gordon is the same way. Wolfgang Puck, exactly the same. I mean, these are, these are guys that have, that have identified the balance. And it's not just because of their genius, but because they've identified the right people to surround themselves with as well. And that is, you know, is, it, it creates the culture that you want inside your restaurants and inside your businesses. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so let me let me ask you my questions from my last episode. So on episode 225, I had on mm-hmm. two people. I had on food and travel journalist Megan Murphy and New York Champagne Week founder Blaine Ashley. And they are both the co-founders of Loke Rosé, which is a limited edition rosé with a twist on island inspiration. So uh, we're going to play back these questions one at a time for you, Scott. And the first one, here's Megan. This is Megan. Well, I love Scott. He's great. He's one of my industry favorites. So first of all, how the hell are you, Scott? Because I haven't seen you (laughs) in a while. Um, But secondly, I would love to know what is one of the most memorable, like blew you away dining experiences that you've had recently and why? Well, is it time for me to answer? It's time. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, well, I'm, I'm well, Megan. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm doing great. I, uh, I, you know, as far as great dining experiences recently, you know, it's been a little bit of a, uh, it's been a while. I don't eat out as much as I used to. I'm really on a pretty strict diet these days. I'm trying to, I'm trying to lose this last 10 pounds that I just can't shake. Um, and I quit drinking several years ago. Um, but once in a while, depending on uh, the experience that I'm involved with, I'll still kind of indulge in a glass of wine or a half a glass of wine or something like that. If it's worth it, I'll drink it. I was at Meadowood a couple of years ago in, in St. Elena, mm. and I, 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 you know, I had a couple of glasses of wine, so the, the emotion was flowing. And I, I think I, I got a little weepy at the table. Chris Costow's food is so incredible. It's so emotional, and it's so soulful. Um, I felt like I knew him after I had eaten there and it was one of the best dining experiences I've ever had. And, you know, doing this for North of almost 35 years now, you don't have those dinners anymore. Like you've seen, you've seen a lot of stuff after 35 years and Mm -hmm. I've I've been fortunate that I've traveled. uh, I have extensive travels and I travel for food as well. Um, but Chris's food was, was really one of the best meals I've ever eaten in my life. I would say it has to go up in top five and, um, you know, it's not far away, <laughs> which is the good news. And I, and I, yeah, it was, it was emotional to say the least. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, and, and I've, I've been there before in that property yeah. and everything. It's just, it is a magical place. So it really is. I, I yeah. hear you on that. Um, and that's mm. a good shout out for him. Okay, let's do question number two from Blaine. Um, I'm always working on work-life balance, and I'm all about uh, the reset. (laughs) So my question is, and especially being from Hawaii where I get to reset, luckily I get to go home often, is how do you reset and take a break? What's your reprieve in this line of work, especially as you keep piling projects onto your plate? Pun intended. Mm. That's a great question, and I, I've clearly not mastered it. Um, I keep on taking on more, but I, I think that self-preservation, I always say to everybody, self-preservation is the key. Um, it's, okay say, it's okay to say no. It's okay, you know, it's, and it's unfortunate sometimes that no means no to your family, no to your friends, no, no to the people that you love. Um, I would say I took my mother uh, 
my aunt had my aunt and uncle had their 60th wedding anniversary and her 80th birthday a, a couple weeks ago. And I met my mother in West Palm Beach, and, and we had dinner at uh, at, at Danielle at um, was it D, is it a DB Bistro there? No, it's a uh, uh, um, I'm not whatever sure. it is, right? It's Danielle's Shooter restaurant there. Yeah, it's, okay. it's one of yeah, it's one of his great restaurants, and it was it was fantastic. Um, and I and I. And it was the first time my mother and I have had dinner alone in, I don't know, probably forever, right? I mean, my father passed away a few years ago, and I've never taken the time to have dinner with my mom. And I, and I realized that, you know, it, it's not in balance. And I said no so many times about for so many things because of self-preservation reason, reasons, right? I watch my diet. I don't drink like I used to, thank God, or, or at all for that matter. And I really try to spend time with the people that I love whenever I can, whenever it's possible. I, this is how I make a living, but it's also, you know, how I self-identify. So I think that I don't beat myself up about the hours that I work. I beat myself up about the time that I don't get to spend with my children. And that's where I try to identify the balance. Everything else the time with family, time, there'll, there'll come a time for that. There's, there is time for that. I try to carve it out whenever I can. I, you know, the, the days of hanging out with your friends and your buddies and stuff like that. A friend of mine was going to Columbia. He's like, come meet me in Columbia. Like, are you, are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) That's a joke, right? I have a wife and kids. My wife will never speak to me again. If I go to Columbia with you, number one. And, and frankly, I have too much work to do. And that, that idea of self-preservation of really trying not to do everything, Mm-hmm. But doing really doing what you love the most, it's a little bit selfish sometimes. But I, I, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna apologize for it. All right. Well, that's 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 your answer. I mean, that's you know you have to. <laughs> I don't know. You have to take care of yourself, right. and you, you have to prioritize. I agree. You do. Yeah. Yes. No. Yeah. And you're doing that. So cool. All right, we're going to take another break and we're going to come back and we're, we'll play my speed round game and then we will uh, have some industry news talk. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. My name is Diane Stemple. And I'm Elena Santagade, and we're the hosts of Cutting the Curd here on Heritage Radio Network. Featuring interviews with makers and mongers and everybody in between, this show is a downright funky look at the world of artisan cheese. You can find Cutting the Curd wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Scott Conant. So, Scott, it's time for my speed round game. Are you ready? All right. You're usually. I, I was going to okay. say you're usually the judge. I got I got you playing a game right now. I love it. I love it. Very so, competitive. Oh, easier okay. to be a judge. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is this is just I'm going to name a couple of things, and you get to pick your preference, such as chocolate or okay. vanilla. Ah. So that's how that's how the game works. Okay. Great. All right, here we go. Eat in or eat out. Eat eat in. You're, you're like just mood. eat. Come on. That's, yeah, that's, it depends on my mood. So we'll say eat in. Okay. <laughs> Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Uh, a bottle of sparkling water. All right. Well, that that fits under, I guess, the mocktail category, and actually, okay. that's my, my my beverage of choice. Oh, good. Perfect. Yeah. So I'll share one. I'll share a big one with you. Sounds good. <laughs> okay. Tasting menu or a la carte? No tasting menu. Small plates or large plates? Small. Communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? 
Oh, definitely tipping. Okay. How about pasta <laughs> al pomodoro or cacio e pepe? Uh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Uh, that's a tough one. Who's making the pomodoro? <laughs> well, it's your, <laughs> obviously it's it, yours because okay, you're pretty famous for that pomodoro. Yeah. It follows me around. Yeah. It, it definitely, fo- I'll take the pomodoro. Okay. It's, I always say I put my kids through private school, so I'll, t- I'll well, take it. <laughs> do you, do you have a version of it on always on, on one of your restaurant menus? Like people always. want it, they need it. Yeah. <laughs> Request yeah. it. Okay. It, I've, I've made the mistake of not putting it on menus, and that doesn't work out well. So I, I've yeah. embraced it a long time ago. Yeah. All right. Cool. A few more. Uh, be, being in front of a TV camera or being in front of a, a live audience, like on stage uh, cooking? I'm happy to take either one. The live, the live audience is so much fun. I, I have great jokes. Just ask me. I'll tell you. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's nice to see people laugh at my jokes other than myself. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Okay, two more. Cheese plate or dessert? Uh, Cheese plate. Manhattan, Brooklyn, or Phoenix? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. That's my toughest one for you, huh? Yes, it is. It is. Um, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to say this point in my life, Phoenix. Okay. Fair. It wasn't always the answer. If you asked me six months before I moved to Phoenix, if I would ever move out of Manhattan, I would have said you were crazy. Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. It just changed. One day I woke up and I, and I said, I got to get out of here. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll tell you as a, as a side note, not not to interrupt, but you got to go. But I, I, three months into moving here to, to Scottsdale, I lost 30 points in my blood pressure. Wow. Just think about just from moving. I mean, that was, that's a tremendous difference. Yeah. And I'm assuming I, their airport is, is a good airport because <laughs> you fly a lot. Yeah. You know, oh, I fly. I, I am. I'm after I get off the phone with you, I'm getting on a plane. Yes. I fly nonstop. I am sometimes six planes a week. It depends on my week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you you have a healthier lifestyle out there, you know, and you're back in New York often. So it's, it's good. Oh, often. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm ready for a bottle of sparkling water whenever you are. Okay. We'll do that. Love it. So it's, let's talk some industry news. Uh, I picked out an article that was in the New York Times recently, and it was titled... Mm-hmm cooking eggs in the morning and shucking oysters at night thanks to an app. And this, the subtitle is facing a labor shortage. Restaurants are turning to on-demand services for line cooks, dishwashers, and other trained workers. And, you know, I read this, I read this, I thought it was interesting. I thought it'd be interesting to talk with, with you about it too, because it was, it was specifically talking about some apps called paired and Instawork, which are, uh, being used by by people to to find you know last minute jobs or you know temporary jobs in kitchens and uh yeah. have you have you used these have you heard of them uh how do you feel about this <laughs> listen i i feel like it's um it's it's where we are right i i, I personally haven't used any i did read the article mm-hmm. um I, I find it absolutely fascinating that that in forward thinking that restaurants and, and, and business people need to use these things. Um, it's, it's where we are right now. And I, and I love the quote from one of the gentlemen in the article where he was like, I've never made this much money in the business like I am now. God bless them, right? I mean, they're, you know, it's, it's scary as a restaurant, as a business owner, that you need to outsource. And, and it, it concerns me from a consistency perspective that, you know, are we getting the same consistent product all the time with different people coming in, in, in and out of this kitchen? But I think ultimately you could save on your labor cost if you're utilizing it um, only for busy periods, right? You're bringing people in instead of having to hire someone. But you're, you're, I think that the other concern is um, that, you know, I would want them more as an independent contractor as opposed to an hourly wage 
because there's there's just concerns from from insurance reasons and, and onward. Um, I may be overthinking it, but in this day and age, I don't think you can overthink these things. I think you have to overthink it. You have to think of every single angle and every dynamic. Um, but I, I think it would something. It would definitely be something I would use if if I needed it. Absolutely. Yeah, I I mean. I think there were this article did mention some of the concerns about it with even yeah. you know having benefits of healthcare or just you know your your what the skill set or keeping people just temporarily not having you you know always having to fill positions but it also had I feel it has you know a lot of benefits and it was I was talking about a yeah. John George restaurant group that you know they had a big event and they yeah. realized they needed more people in the kitchen and they yeah. were able to just That's get right. those workers uh, so I think it's cool. I really wasn't familiar or knew this was these apps uh, were, were were new, you know, happening. And yeah. I, I downloaded one and I just was checking it out. I th- I think it's I think you know with labor issues, people are always talking about it. So okay. um, it seems like it's a a cool solution on both ends for restaurants and also people who are looking for work. Uh, I agree. I, I, I think that, you know, the, the one thing as a business owner, what I've, what I've recognized and realized and experienced over, over time is that the most important aspect of your business is the culture that you're creating, right? And that would be, again, one of my big concerns, right? Are, are these, are some of the people that you're hiring for the night, are they going to fit into your culture or is it going to create a wedge and a divide, particularly when it comes to what they're making, right? I mean, that, What's to stop any one of the of the cooks in any of those restaurants from saying, you know what, I'm going to go, I'm going to go on that app as well, and I'm out of here. You know, that's the yeah. that's the concern. There could be a potential revolt inside the kitchen, and, and yeah, that 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 cultural aspect is the the single most important part of running a business. Right. Yeah. No, I, it's, yeah, it's tricky. Um, in that, in that end. So I guess we'll have to, we'll have to see how this develops and it probably there'll be more, more apps and more competition. Uh, yes. So, and and, and it's, and it's great. I mean, I, I love the competition. I love, you know, I love a, a free market aspect of things. I think it's wonderful. I mean, I, you know, I think there's, there's, if it's, if it's benefiting somebody, I'm all for it as long as it's not hurting anyone. Yeah, I agree. Okay, yeah. okay. so before we take one more break, I have a couple announcements about some events coming up. So Newport Mansions Wine and Food Festival is taking place September 19th through 22nd at the Elms, Rosecliff, and Marble House in Newport, Rhode Island. And this highlights highlights include a two-day grand tasting with lots of wines. It's a, on the lawn of the Marble House, and there's celebrity chefs, and there's educational seminars and there's a jazz brunch and I've I've been to this event before I was there in 2015 actually I, I covered it on episode 80 if anyone wants to go back and listen um, I'm going this year uh, one of my clients is going to be there Opie Crooks of Arake's Progress so I'm excited to go back and if anyone wants to look into it check out tickets you can go to newportmansions.org backslash events check it out the second event that's coming up in New York City is called Identa Golus, and this is from September 23rd to 25th, and it's happening at Italy Flatiron, and this is the 10th U.S. edition of the event, which which has acclaimed international chefs, including Massimo Bottoro and uh, Lydia Bastianich of Italy, and this includes uh, culinary seminars, and there's a one-of-a-kind dine-around dinner. So I'm going to be going to this, too, and I'm also really excited because I'm going to interview Massimo Botoro when he's in town. So you can stay tuned for my, my interview with him. Um, I'm super excited. And their website is italy.com backslash US, and you can find out more about it. Okay, so one more break, and then we're going to come back. We'll have my solo dining experience. And the final question, this is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Thank you. 
Welcome back to All in the Industry and Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience. This week, it's at Tail Up Goat. Here's the rundown. The location. Actually, I don't have it. We're down here. I have the wrong address. I'm sorry. But it's in Washington, D.C. And uh, I will fill you in next week of where it is. Washington, D.C. The concept. A neighborhood bistro serving create. Oh, do I have this right? Yes. Sorry. A neighborhood bistro serving creative Mediterranean fare and a Caribbean-inspired drinks. It's a soulful, sophisticated food and and drink concept uh, emphasis on pasta and bread. The chef and owner, John Seibert, and the service director, co-owner, is Jill Tyler, and the beverage director and co-owner is Bill Jensen. So why did I go? Well, I was in D.C. on a work trip, and this restaurant is located very close to the Line Hotel where I was staying, and I continuously heard good things about it. So my experience. I went as a walk-in. I sat at the bar. Uh, server was awesome helping me out and ordering, and I had a really great time. It was a very nice social environment. So what did I get? I had the cucumber and melon with St. Malachi cheese, spicy fish peppers, pickled beets, and sorghum. And I also had corn and taleggio ravioli, which had blueberries, jalapeno, and crispy caper peppers. And I also had your filtered sparkling water. See, Scott? I drink that. Uh, My take. I really loved both both dishes, and I'm surprised all the time when I order cucumbers because I typically don't love cucumbers, but I, I must love chef-prepared cucumbers because this, this dish was, was fabulous. And then the pasta was so unique and, and kind of weird, but it worked. I mean, it had blueberries and jalapeno, but it was really delicious. So the ambiance, it's a large bar in one room when you walk in at the front, and then it's, it's like semi-open to the other dining room ne- next to it, and it's low-lit, has light wood decor, and a casual and comfortable vibe. So it's perfect for dining solo at the bar or with friends. Interesting tidbit, the name is a nod to U.S. Virgin Islands, which one of the co-owners, Jill, it's her childhood home, and it's the island phrase, tail up goat, tail down sheep. Personal fun fact, so I had been to Tail Up Goat once before, actually, before the Line Hotel was built. Um, I go back to D.C. a lot now because I am working with the food and beverage uh, programs all at the hotel, and that's why I was in town. And so um, it was, it's really, ni- you know, it was nice to go back and, and that it is so so close by, and I know um, the chefs at the at the hotel are, are, are friends with the chefs there. So it's a, it's a nice community out there in D.C., the cost was $41, not including tax and gratuity. Yes, I would go back, and their website is tailupgoat.com. So, uh, Scott, what do, you, what do you think of ravioli with blueberries and jalapeno? I would have to take it. What, what, taste it. What else, what else was in it besides ravioli? Well, uh, well, it was actually, well, it was actually the ravioli was with the uh, telegio cheese and corn, and then the other things were garnishes on it. With caper berries too. Wow, that's a, there's a lot going on there. There's a lot going on. It was yeah. I was hesitant to order it, but it was yeah. really good. I'm, it was it's weird, even you know, talk, it's a weird dish, but I liked it. <laughs> you know, there was a, a famous chef in Italy, uh, Gianfranco Visani, and he was known for doing porcini with blueberries. And he was wide. I mean, Italians would be like, "This is an Italian. This guy's crazy." But, I mean, he had three stars Michelin, God bless him, and he was wildly successful. So who's to say? Who's to say? Well, one of the reasons I was, I was, I was even thinking of talking about this experience on the show with, with you as the guest because I wanted to get your take on this ravioli. Like, what do you think about this? Um, but it, I, 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 I want to taste it. Yeah, it was delicious, yeah. and I, I think they change up their menu a lot. So, well, obviously, yeah. with blueberries, it was, you know, a summertime dish, but... Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a good restaurant. Tail up goat. Awesome. Okay, so it's time for the final question. My next guest is Regina Veroli. She's a journalist and the founder and editor-in-chief of Cull Epi, which is a culinary industry platform for people in the industry to share their voice and make a positive impact. Uh, so, Scott, what would you like to ask Regina? What does she do again? Say that one more time. <laughs> she's she's a she's she's a journalist. Uh, she's uh-huh. been covering, 
She's been covering the food industry for a long time. That's how I know her. And then she has this yeah. new website that's, it's called Cull Epi. The website's actually culinaryepicenter.com. And she Got it's it. a platform for people in the culinary industry. She's she's telling like behind the scenes stories of, of hospitals. Oh, I love so. that. That sounds so fun. That sounds, I'm going to check that website out. I would ask her what, um, you know, of the stories that she's heard, what are some of the, you know, what are the most, what's one of the most inspirational and also what's one of the most horrific? Because we all have, you know, being in the industry for so long, we all have these stories and I find them fascinating. Cool. I will find out. And you'll have to tune back in and hear. (laughs) Thank you. Can't wait. So thank you so much. That's the show. I've, I'm so, I, I really appreciate you taking the time and I'm in awe of your whole career and I'm just, I, I, I feel lucky that I know you. I, you are, too, you're making me blush. Not that <laughs> <laughs> well, Thank you. I really, I appreciate you asking me on and, and I, and it's always, it, I always, you know, if there's anyone young in the business that's listening to the stories, um, you know, I, all I can say is there, it, you can do it. That's it. I mean, if I can do it, anyone can do it. That's a, a good message to leave with for sure. And yeah, um, you've you've certainly done it. And I look forward to seeing you wherever you're, I don't know, but back in New York or at whatever event we both happen to be at. <laughs> I'm totally soon. That's, yeah, there's so much stuff going on in the autumn. So yeah. I'll see you soon, I'm sure. Awesome. Well, thank you. And, and have a safe flight to wherever you're off to. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'll see you soon. Be well. Thanks All for right. having me. You too. Cheers. All the best. So my guest today has been Scott Conant. He's chef, restaurateur, and TV personality. You can find out about everything he's up to at scottconant.com and follow him on social media at ConantNYC. You can follow me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. My website's BayerPublicRelations.com, SherryBayer.com, and AllInTheIndustry.com. All of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Thanks to my engineer today, Jeet, and thanks again for, to Scott for joining me. I'm Sherry Bayer. I will be back next week with another live show. Hope you'll tune in then, and thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Industry is powered by Simplecast. I'm Sherry Bayer, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, HRN is celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org.